Who's ready? Let's chat. Welcome, welcome. I'm Brandi Davis, your parenting partner, and we're here to chat about all things kids and all things parenting. Let's get started, shall we? Hey, everybody. Um, Welcome back. I hope you all are doing amazingly out there and everyone's feeling great and um, enjoying hopefully some warm weather that you are getting, even if you are not here in Philly, but today is amazing pants. Um, I'm so excited to have a super awesome guest today. Um, His name is Dane Menken, and um, he is the divisional director of um, LGBTQ. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to say that again. See, it's I'm recording this on a Friday and my brain is falling out of my earlobes. So apparently I need the weekend. So we're going to start that sentence all over again. Dane is the divisional director of the LGBTQ services at Mainline Health, where he provides LGBTQ specific clinical care with a focus on gender affirming care for children, adolescents, and adults. His role allows for access to a large healthcare system in a region that focuses on LGBTQ competency, curriculum, implementation, and workforce education. He's the recipient of the AANP Award for Excellence in PA, Awesome Sawsome, awesome, in 2019. And he's a member of WPATH and served on the board of directors for the Jim Collins Foundation, as well as serving as a consultant for Transline. He's presented across the country to healthcare and school service providers, working with trans and non-binary clients and patients. This is why this person is here. We are going to answer so many questions today. So first of all, I want to say hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? Awesome. Obviously, it's nice out, and I am super high energy today. So, so watch out, world. All right, I'll hold so, on tight. The reason I contacted Dane is because, um, you know, I'm online sometimes, all the time, and I had been seeing a lot of comments on posts, especially like on Facebook, where the posts were about transgender kids. And there were a lot of um, a lot of negative responses, but also a lot of confused responses where I think that people just don't understand um, a lot about transgender children um, in particular. I mean, you know, I think in, in general, people have a lot of questions, but because as we know, kids are my wheelhouse. I thought maybe we would clear up some misconceptions and educate people because education creates understanding and understanding helps bring kindness and inclusivity into the world. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is there anything that you want to say before we get started? No, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. Awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Okie dokie. So I think that one of the best places to start is sort of is terminology because um i think people don't always know the right words to say and then that might make them nervous or make someone else uncomfortable so what is some of the terminology that people should know 
when they're talking about the transgender community and maybe some words not to say. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> of course, I mean, minus the obviously horrible mean ones, but things that people might trip up on. Terminology is the right place to start. I find that most people are really well-intentioned and want to do right by other people. And if you're afraid of what you're going to say and your intentions are good, you're not going to say anything because you don't want to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's good to start with language and how to ask and talk about the things that you're trying to ask and talk about. So I usually start by explaining to folks that as simple as it may sound, not everybody understands the difference between gender identity and sexual orientation. And they are right. different, right? So pretty simply, gender identity is who you feel like you are. And that's the T and a little bit of the Q of LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. Um it's really has nothing to do with anyone but you. It's who you feel like you are and how you want to put yourself into the world to be read. Um, sexual orientation is just about who you love and who you're attracted to. So they're, okay. they don't always have to exist independently, but they often do. The way I tell people the easiest to remember the difference is this. Sexual orientation is who you go to bed with and gender identity is who you go to bed as. Oh my God, I love that. I'm sorry, I totally just interrupted you. It's okay, it's good. It's, it's, I, that was awesome. Yeah, it's a really easy way to kind of keep the two things separate yet yet relatable. Oh my God, that's like, that's perfection right there. <laughs> I had to stop you. I'm like, I'm, I will credit you forever, but I will so use that. Go for it. Oh, please do. It's not mine. I don't remember where it came from, but yeah, oh, okay. please do. Sorry to interrupt. Um, that's Go all right. <laughs> so if we, if we start out by understanding the differences and then synchrony between the two things, it's a lot easier to get the language down. So when you're talking about gender identity, you're talking about in our culture, which is different in other cultures, about two mm -hmm. options, right? We have a male option and a female option, and those are generally your boxes, that you mm -hmm. can choose to check, it's getting better. Yeah. Um, but that's generally our culturally comfortable area. But we know in other cultures, <laughs> we know <laughs> by, by talking to anybody young these days that there are a lot of other options. And that's exactly. where people get nervous. Transgender is just kind of an umbrella term that talks about and identifies anyone who is not what we call cisgender. So let's mm -hmm. put those two things together because for understanding and education, it's probably best to think of them as opposites. Okay. Cisgender is when you are entering into the world and somebody essentially looks in between your legs and says, it's a boy or girl. And mm. that boy will say, for example, at the age of two feels like a boy and at the age of seven feels like a boy and at the age of 15 feels like a boy and at the age of 20 feels like a boy and at the age of 40 feels like a boy, man. 80 the, and on and on. That's a cisgender male or a cisgender person, mm -hmm. right? Things just line up. It just is what it is. Yeah. Transgender is when we have somebody who comes into the world and we look in between their legs and we proclaim it's a boy. And at two years old, that person feels like a boy. And at five years old, that person feels like a boy. And then at 10 years old, something starts to change for them. And maybe they say something and maybe they don't, but they're thinking something might not be quite right. And then at 15 years old, something's really not right because now bodies are changing, society expectations are changing. So can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I'm just, I'm so listening. No, it's okay. I'm like watching my phone to make sure it doesn't shut off. <laughs> so, so that's when somebody is transgender. It's when something changes 
from the sex that they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. So that's where we have cisgender and transgender. Then if we break it down a little bit further, transgender breaks into, I'm going to say three, but if you talk to somebody who's like under the age of 12, they'll tell you there's a lot more options than three. But mm -hmm. there's three sort of widely understood and accepted transgender people. One are people that are assigned male at birth, but identify as female. Those are transgender girls or women. Mm -hmm. The second one would be transgender boys or transgender men. Those are assigned female at birth, but identify as boy or male. Mm -hmm. And then there's a third category, which is commonly called non-binary, sometimes called gender fluid, sometimes called gender expansive or diverse. There's lots of different terms, but non-binary is pretty common. And those are mm -hmm. folks that were assigned, we'll say, for example, female at birth, and something changes for them, but they don't exactly feel comfortable as male, but they don't feel comfortable as female either. There's parts of their body that don't feel right that are identified as female. There's parts of their body that they don't want to be only recognized as male. They don't see themselves as a dad. They don't see themselves with a beard or a deep voice, but they also don't see mm -hmm. themselves in dresses and skirts and a white wedding dress. Um, and she, her ma'am, young lady either. So those are folks that just sort of mm -hmm. feel somewhere in the middle and that's complicated. And sometimes it's a transitional identity. We have lots of those throughout our life. And mm -hmm. cool. so when you're dealing with folks and you're looking at somebody and their gender expression is one that you're not exactly sure whether they want to be recognized as male or female or use he or she or use they, you're not the first person that doesn't know that. Lots of people don't know that, but you might be the first person that gets it right and asks them. So it's really easy to do, and you just have to practice in the mirror a little bit so that your comfort is there. So it's simple to do. What you say is to them is, hey, I heard someone refer to you as he. Is that the right pronoun for you? Or you can say simply, hey, my name is Dane. Welcome to the 4th of July party. Is there a name that I can use for you while you're here? Or I, I heard your mom oh. refer to you as John. Is that the name that you'd like for me to use also? If you get sort of that like sideways look that people give us sometimes when we ask something really off the wall, all right, then, you know, wrong target, but it's not a, it's not a big deal. Right. Um, no. It's really okay. Cause you really might be the first person that asks them and gets it right. And that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, so that's gender expression. Um, don't be afraid of it. And don't, don't be afraid to understand that it, it changes and it's fluid and Above all else, don't be afraid to know that you're not the only person that isn't sure. Um, so just ask. So if we've got sexual orientation cool. and we've got gender identity, and now we've got gender expression, then mm -hmm. we can kind of put them all together and we can understand how we kind of make up a human being, right? The expression is the all of right. them. And then the sexual orientation is kind of the love, like the heart of the person. And then the gender mm -hmm. identity is kind of, it falls under all identities. Like I'm a Jewish person. I'm a tall person. I'm a short person. I'm a, you know, I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a, you know, it's a falls on the list of all of the things that we identify as. Okay. Yeah. I'm a short okay. Jewish person. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> so with, with kids, when we're looking at young children, 
Um, and we're talking about transgender kids or young children that are expressing something different. The most common mm -hmm. questions that I get asked, and this is by the parents of the children that I'm seeing are one, how do you know my kid is trans? And two, is this safe? <laughs> so two really good parent right. questions, right? <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Um, so when we, the, to the answer of how do you know my kid is trans, I am very forthright in saying, I don't, there is no test that I will be running today that tells you definitively your child is transgender. However, right. we look for three very simple things in children. You could probably apply this to things that are non-transgender in nature. We look for kids that are insistent. So we want to see that the kid is not being wishy-washy about something, that they are saying, mm -hmm. no, this is real. Transgender children, this is different from adolescents, but transgender children don't say, I think I'm a boy or I think I'm a girl. They just tell you I'm a girl. And then right. you know, some well-meaning adult will say, well, no, you're not Johnny, <laughs> you're a boy. And, right. you know, and if they're little enough, they'll kind of, and you know, they'll back down from authority and they probably won't repeat it, but we're looking for that insistence. I want to hear stories about that kid's insistence. Um, or has mm -hmm. it developed? And, and it varies. There are some kids that are shy and some kids that are less verbal than others and less articulate. But in general, we're looking at insistent gender identity. So the other thing that we're looking mm -hmm. for is persistence. I need to know that this has been going on for a while. That this isn't just something that came up at the dinner table last week. This is something that this right. kid has said to you to little friends, to your neighbor, to their, to your parents, their grandparents, to their siblings, whoever it is, but that they've persisted with it. It's, it's something that continues to come up, maybe not in a manner that is dangerous or damaging or dramatic, but that it just kind of keeps coming up. Yeah. So we've got insistence and we've got persistence. The last thing that we're looking for is some consistency. I'm looking to, I don't need a child to be, um, you know, direct that they are a man or a woman. That's not typical for children. But what, what they do right. need to, to be clear about is that this is something that I really feel deeply about and I'm expressing it in the following ways. They won't say that, but here is how I express this. I'm going to sneak into your room and wear mom or dad's clothes when I can. Or I'm going to steal mm -hmm. my older brother or older sister's clothes. Um, and I'm going to kind of keep them tucked away someplace. Or I'm going to try on mom's makeup sometimes when I don't think she's paying attention. So we're looking for that yeah. kind of um, that messaging from a kid that says, this, this is who I am. I have been this person for a period of time. And it's not going away. I, it's staying. Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, this could be just to, so everyone's sort of clear. I mean, this is kind of a question, um, but I did actually talk to someone um, like in a, so um, I kind of wanted to jump in just because I want to talk about how young this could be. So I was um, referred to whatever by a friend whatever so this person called me and their child was about four years old um they were born 
male. Mm -hmm. And over the pandemic, they were having a lot of time spent together. And this kid like would not wear clothes. And at first, you know, it wasn't a big deal because four-year-olds like to be naked anyway. And so Mm -hmm. nobody thought about it except it was getting cold. And the parent was like, we now are going to sort of like start to go outside and do stuff because we can. You have to wear clothes. And this kid was like, absolutely not, not getting dressed. So the parent was like, okay, listen, why don't we go to Target with our masks and you can buy whatever clothes that you want. Cause the kid was like, I hate all my clothes. I don't want to wear clothes. I don't like them. They went to target. That child made a beeline for the, you know, quote unquote girl section, picked out all these things, um, that were, um, <clears throat> like supposedly girl clothes mm. actually didn't pick any dresses. And the mom was actually like, honestly, I don't care about dresses, but it's freezing out there. So I'm actually okay. (laughs) Like, like, she's like, in the spring, we can do whatever. I'm so glad. But it's really cold right now. (laughs) Yeah, it was really temperature. I'm like, I love you. Um, But that was all it took. And now the kid wears clothes. And Mm -hmm. that was just it. The kid didn't feel right in their clothes. And this child was four. So I just wanted to kind of like say, because when you were talking about it too, you were like, you know, around 10, they feel like maybe they're different or changes or not feeling right in their bodies. But now there are stories coming out too, that, you know, kids as young as four are like, Mm -hmm. and I think that that was the language that you were using because I was hearing my small friends, Mm because that's how my small friends talk. They're like, you know, I'm this, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I'm Superman. Yeah, I'm Superman. I'm Harry Potter. I'm, and everything is a definite. So, Mm -hmm. So it could be as young as four or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just with regard to like developmental psychology without getting sort of too scientific, mm-hmm. we know that um, children recognize gender um, by the age of two in other, um, in other people. Right. So mom's a, mom's a girl, dad's a boy. They, they get that around, around the age two by by five at the latest, it's actually closer to like four years old, they understand their own gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have a good feel for that. And it doesn't change. Right. What changes and what we see is that people have the ability and language and education to make changes to their own gender presentation at different times in life. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of strong messages growing up, right? We learn all kinds of things growing up, like don't talk to your mother like that. Don't, you know, hold doors open for women. Right. Whatever the whatever the lesson is, we get a lot of learning. Yeah. And if if you have a kid that is brought up in an environment, interestingly, two different environments, you could have a kid that's brought up in an environment where there's a lot of gender fluidity, and they have a house where their dad wears skirts around the house sometimes. So it's not even a thought that they couldn't do that, or that that's not something that happens in everybody's house. Mm-hmm. That may be a kid who if they're trans or if they have a different kind of gender expression, they never have any conflict with it. And they don't actually even pursue anything till they're much later in life. Mm-hmm. The second household could be someplace that's very, very rigid with gender roles. Dad takes out the trash. Mom takes care of the kids and cooks dinner. These are the clothes that people wear. And if they have a gender identity that is different than the sex they were assigned at birth, they may be somebody who comes out later in life because it just took them a really long time mm-hmm. to, to learn that there was an option. Okay. So kids know very early. You should believe the four-year-olds when they tell you something. 
Yes. But, <laughs> but often the other piece that I think we're much more comfortable with is often kids don't need to make any changes until puberty starts. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You know, if you're eight years old, you can kind of get away with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you're 13 or 14 years old, you can't. Right. Um, and that's when this, the pressure starts to come. And that's when that insistence often will build. Okay. Like I, I can't do this anymore. I'm at a, I'm at an all girls school and I am a boy. And if I have to put this skirt on one more day, I'm going to explode. Okay. And that's when we see some, some language start to come out and some behavior start to come out that is insistent that something has to change. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, did we cover the terminology? Do you feel like we've, we've done that or is there anything that we missed? Cause I don't want to miss anything. Hmm. I'm trying to think about terminology. Oh, wait, I have a question actually. Hmm? Is it okay to, this is a very simple question. <laughs> That's cool. Is it okay to use the word trans? Cause I, I wasn't sure. Cause I know like some places, like I was actually looking things up. Cause I was like, I don't want to mess this up either where I wasn't sure that some places were like, no, it's fine. But then who knows what someone else might feel. And like, I know that like shortening things and putting S's like as a Jewish person, mm -hmm. I can say, which is not the same topic, but as a Jewish person, like, you know, I can be like, oh, excellent. The Jews are celebrating Purim. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. But when I watch the news and they're like, the Jews are celebrating Hanukkah, I'm like, no, no. The right. Jewish people. You don't <laughs> right. get to call us the Jews. Right. Like, we don't want to say the blacks. <laughs> right. So I just want to make sure. But then again, maybe it doesn't apply here. So is, is it okay to use the word trans or is that not cool? <laughs> It's a good question. It is okay to use the word trans. Okay, It's not okay to call someone a trans. Yes. Right. So someone that. is a right. So someone is a trans guy or a trans. I don't even know the fourth person. The the trans. I don't. I'm trying to even think of how you would use it as an adjective. It's a descriptive term. Right. It's not a noun. It's not a noun. Um, the the thing that you just brought up that's always challenging for us. I think more challenging as we age is the notion of reclamation of words right. that were at one time pejorative, right? So can you call somebody queer? Probably not. But can somebody who is personally identified as LGBT or Q and in that environment with those people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm queer. I'm big. I'm queer. I'm out. I'm proud. Like it's so you have to be a little careful with what word you claim. But yes, trans is an okay word to use. Okay. Um, and the pronoun default to they if, is okay to use if mm -hmm. you're not sure. Um, so yes, the answer to your question. Okay, cool. I just, I was just curious personally. I was like, I don't want to mess that up, but I like to shorten lots of things. Um, so, okay. So the other thing that kind of got me when I read these comments on these posts. Um, so I think it was about one of them that really jumped out at me was there was a dad and I think the kid was like about four or five and I think the child was born male identified as female and everybody like not everybody but there were a lot of comments that were like this is dangerous mm -hmm. you can't you know operate can't allow this we can't allow this you can't operate on children 
What if they change their minds? You're child abusing them. You can't do, it was like all the things you can't do. And I was just thinking, like, we talked about it too. Like you can't even get like really a nose job or most operations until you're like 16. Like you can't operate on a small child unless you have to, like, unless there's like, you know, like a, I mean, you know, we don't do elective we procedures don't. like children. you can't not so i wanted to clear up maybe or no i wanted you to clear up <laughs> the <laughs> steps that that are kind of taken in the world of transitioning but right. i also know that different people transition in different ways or mm-hmm. don't you know may never have any kind of operations or may have operations. Right. so so can you sort of paint the picture for for our friends out there so that they understand the path that that it is and you don't like a kid doesn't go oh I want to be a girl or I want to be a boy and you're like let's make the appointment like (laughs) you still I I had I had a breast reduction and I still had to have a consultation and they were like (laughs) which ones are you sure really think about it and that was like seriously just making my boobs a little smaller so no, most operations you have to talk about anyway. So what are the right. paths that people take? Okay. So the first thing that we should know is that please remember that these are children and there is nothing to do with them medically until puberty starts. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So if you have a little person who is assigned, assigned female at birth and tells you that they're a boy at the age of four, the most important thing that you can do for that four-year-old kid is just stay with their process. Mm -hmm. If they want you to call them John, call them John. If they want their hair cut short, cut their hair. If they want to dress in basketball shorts and t-shirts and high tops, go for it. None of it's permanent. If it's a phase, it's going to go away and nothing has been done. It can't be reversed. You've affirmed that kid. You've supported that kid. You've kept doors open for that kid, but you've caused no damage. Mm -hmm. So, Where we start to talk about change is when that four-year-old or maybe that now 12-year-old assigned female at birth person is getting a period and is developing breasts Mm -hmm. and is socially trying to fit in in a world that is not quite understanding who they are. So now you've got a kid whose gender identity has persisted, right? They told you this when they were four. Mm -hmm. Here we are at 12 still saying the same thing, there's no doubt anymore. Right. They, they meet the criteria for the diagnosis that we call gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. and there's just no doubt. But that said, we don't do surgery on a 12-year-old. Right. There's nothing to do to a 12-year-old. So you let them keep wearing their hair short, going by John, wearing their basketball shorts and T-shirts, um, and you just stay with them. But now we kind of have to address some of the physical things that are causing this person distress. So getting a period when everybody reads you as a boy whose name is John, it kind of messes with your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, having absolutely. To, you know, having to be in the girls locker room when you're John and all these people around you are not. Yeah. Causes a little bit of distress. Yeah. You have to go into the girls bathroom but everybody sees you as a boy. Yeah. That causes a lot of problems and frankly can get you in a lot of trouble. So we've got to put things in place that just allow the kid the freedom to continue to be who they are. Let them use the nurse's bathroom to change and to pee. It's not that deep. Let them use the boy's locker room. It's really okay. Mm -hmm. If there's a, if there's a 
genetically assigned, if there's an assigned male boy in the locker room who's uncomfortable at that, he can go change in the nurse's locker room. Yeah. There's no law. We need all kids to be comfortable where they are located. And who the hell is comfortable in locker rooms anyway? I know. I was just going to say that. Like, I remember, like, I don't know what boys do, but I will tell you in the girls' locker room, when you are 13 and 14 years old, no one can get in and out of clothes without showing any body parts better than a 12, 13, 14 year old girl. We can do it with like, Put one shirt over the other shirt because we don't want, like, someone has body parts they don't have. Someone's body yep. parts are bigger. Someone's skinny or whatever. It's true. No one's comfortable in there. Right. So provide comfort to the kids that need the comfort. Mm-hmm. We can do that. We have the ability to do that. We actually have an obligation to do that yeah. as adults. So when we're talking about how to support a kid, you notice I have not gone anywhere near with our 12-year-old surgery medicine Mm -hmm. (laughs) we just aren't there right when when we're starting to address physical attributes now okay so let's talk about an assigned male at birth person who is let's say 14 so think about the vast array of what 14 year old boys look like right some Mm -hmm. of them look 17 some of them look nine (laughs) yes and that's just life So if you have a 14-year-old assigned male at birth person who identifies as female, but they look nine, there's nothing for you to do. If you have an assigned male at birth person who is 14 years old and starting to look and sound Mm. older, then there's something that we do. And that something is 100,000% reversible. We give them a medication or a group of medications, one medicine that just blocks puberty. That's great. Just... I'm like, so I'm actually getting like super emotional over here and I'm just like, God, I'm so excited about this. And I really hope that this gets everywhere because these are the things that people don't understand. Right. You know, it is reversible in case that they do say, oh, you know, this isn't the path that I want to take. Right. And and it's not it's you know, you have to wait to make, you know, real life changing decisions, as we all should for most of the life changing decisions we're going to make. But no, this is so important because it really is about just supporting your kids and supporting who they are and saving them and all that stuff. So, yes. So awesome. Hormone blockers reversible. Totally reversible, 100% reversible, and very, very little, very, very little side effect, like very unwanted, very few unwanted effects, and very safe. These are medicines that we've been using medically for 30 and 40 years. These are not brand new fangled medicines, right? things we've been using for a long time. So we give them puberty blockers, and essentially what that does is it just shuts down anything from making hormones. So if you have testicles, it keeps them from making testosterone. And if you have ovaries, it keeps them from making estrogen and it doesn't touch anything else. Okay. They keep getting taller. They, you know, they keep maturing and growing as we would expect humans to do. Um, But it kind of buys them time, right? Because we don't want to do anything irreversible to a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old if we don't have to. Right. So when people jump in and get all worked up about surgery, I'm very quick to stop them um, because it just isn't part of the treatment plan anywhere ever. Okay, cool. When we start to think about changes that we would make in giving hormones to people, 
right? If you uh -huh. are identifying as a boy, but you were born a girl and you're going to need boy hormone because your body just is never going to make it. Then we start to do that at an age congruent time. So I want to make my 14 year old boy trans boy patients look like every other 14 year old boy, given the difference in range in 14 year old boys. Right. I don't want to make them look 25. That's the no. wrong thing to do. I want to make them look 14. And I want my trans girls who are 10. And we know that girls develop breasts by 10. That's happening mm -hmm. yeah, in a yes. lot of them. We <laughs> want to make sure that they're looking kind of like their peers. So we will start hormones to feminize and masculinize people at an age congruent rate. We don't give medicines to kids that haven't met that criteria that I laid out earlier of insistent, persistent, and consistent. We just don't. We don't need yeah. to. So this is not something that ever happens fast. Um, and there are definitely things about hormones that are not reversible. So I can understand. And that is often when parents that I'm working with start to get they take their deep breaths and they've needed a lot of support and hopefully they've gotten that support and they've talked to a lot of people because this is where they need it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not like puberty ha happened the first time overnight. It doesn't right. happen this time overnight. Um, and at any point we stop. If the kid ever wants to stop, we just stop. I will tell you that in the thousands of transgender children that I've seen over the years, I have not ever had a child that I started with change their mind. I think that's so important. So everyone who is listening, I want you to hear that. <laughs> we're not saying it's impossible, but we're just saying, did you hear that? And all the kids that he's worked with, no one has changed their minds. Te I've had teenagers change their minds. I've okay. had 16 and 17 year olds, fewer than five, but I have okay. had them change their mind. And certainly I have had adults um, that have stopped their process, not because mm -hmm. they've changed their mind, but because something in their life forced them to change. Oh, their spouse yeah. left, they lost a job, they, um, right. they lost their children, said, I'm not going to do, not, I can't be with you if you're going to do, you're my dad and I can't deal with you as my mom. Right. So they will stop, but okay. I have not seen children change their mind. I would like to think that a lot of that is because these kids are being seen at and sources and by people that know how to go through this process. Yeah. So they're very, very well engaged in care. There's a lot of people and a lot of processes that happen. They have therapists, they have engaged teachers, they have engaged parents or caregivers. Um, so it's, it's unlikely that if a kid is being seen in that comprehensive environment, that, the, that they're going to kind of get missed because somebody just right. happened to prescribe for them sooner. Right. Okay. So I do have a really quick question. Yeah. Um, so if you are, uh, if you are giving kids um, hormones, mm -hmm. what isn't reversible? Because I just feel like yep. someone might think, be, I mean, I'm curious. That. Yeah. <laughs> so the, obviously they're different. So I'll do them differently. So the things that estrogen does, and again, not overnight, that is right. not reversible is it will, it will create breasts. And mm -hmm. although if you stop taking estrogen, the density of those breasts changes, uh -huh. um, once the tissue is there, it is there. The other thing that we need to talk about a little more in depth, but I'll park it here for now is fertility. Estrogen will stop the production of sperm. Okay. Um, so that's, and there's a bigger piece to that even with blocking. Um, and that's really it that estrogen does. Everything else, if estrogen does it, it's going to reverse. Okay. 
So with testosterone, there are more permanent things with testosterone. So once somebody's voice has dropped, that's permanent. Okay. Once somebody gains hair on their body or loses hair on their body, like on their head, that's permanent. Okay. Um, and once, I'm sorry, I'm like totally drawing a blank on what the other piece of testosterone is. Hair. Oh, just, just hair on head and hair on body. Okay, once those yeah. things are, once those things occur, those are permanent. But assuming that the person still has the gonads that they were born with, the ovaries or the testicles, those will wake back up and, okay. and, and kick back into action. So let's pause for a second around the fertility piece because it, rightly so, this is something that is very worrisome for parents. Right. So when you give a child a puberty suppressing medication and they haven't become old enough that either their eggs or sperm have matured. If you give them puberty blocking medicine and then they continue right on to hormones when it's time for that, they will not have usable sperm or eggs. Okay. Those, those gametes that we call have to have time to mature. And if they don't, at least without a lot of advanced reproductive assistance, they don't have usable sperm or eggs. Okay. If we let somebody go through their puberty or mostly through their puberty before we start hormones and blockers, eggs stay preserved pretty well. So if you have an assigned female at birth person who starts testosterone around 16 or 17 or 15 years old, they went through girl puberty. Their body did that and their eggs are probably fine um, and they can be used down the road if they want to. The same isn't necessarily true for our trans girls. If they go through their boy puberty and start making sperm and then we give them blockers and hormones mm -hmm. and then we stop those blockers and hormones, they may or may not, but unlikely will make sperm that is modal enough and in enough volume that could create pregnancy without a, a lot of intervention. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can see why as like at, as a parent mm -hmm. that, that would be like oh no but what about right babies right about right and how do you even have i you can't have a conversation with an 11 year old about do you want children that's not no. a, that's not a conversation i ever have with children no you know, our role is to make sure that their options are as well understood as they can be and that we try to prolong even further by cryopreserving if we can yeah, because also an 11-year-old doesn't know that. I mean, look, no. I'll be honest. At 11, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. Okay. At 16, I was like, I'm going to be a mom. And as I got older, I was like, I don't feel like I want to be a mom, but everybody's telling me I should be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be a mom. And I, nobody, I mean, nobody loves kids more <laughs> than me. Um, but I love kids. But it's not something if you asked me at 11, I'd be like, of course I want babies, millions of babies. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody else might be like, no, but that's how much things can change over time. Yeah. So yeah, that, that is a hard argument to have with a kid, but thank goodness there are so many other ways if someone wants to have a family. Exactly. Exactly. There's lots of ways to, that queer families are built and, you know, they don't all involve your own genetic material. So mm -hmm. Try, but trying to get a, a it's a it's always the parents trying to get yeah. a parent to to spend enough time with that to separate it out is challenging I would find it really challenging with my own children um, mm -hmm. it's it's just because as a parent you're the one signing the consent 
If they're under 18, it's all you. And that is a whole lot to bear to say, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to let you do this thing that I think you're probably too young to really understand thoroughly, but I'm going to sign it. <laughs> I'm going to let you yeah. go forward um, because you've been making me crazy and talking to me about this for the last eight years. And I just can't imagine you're ever going to change your mind. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Did we miss anything in the pediatric sort of development or anything else that you just are like, we, I need people to know this. Um, well, you know, we didn't really talk about surgery. Do you want me oh, to yeah. talk about Okay. So when we think about gender affirming surgery, um, we're really talking about some, so if we talk about tops and bottoms, right? It's a, it's a little easier to segment it that way. Um, okay. <laughs> girl hormones, estrogen makes breast tissue and anybody you give estrogen to will develop breasts. How much breast development really varies on a lot of things uh, is variable. Um, but some people don't feel like they develop enough breast tissue on just hormones alone and they will mm -hmm. seek feminizing breast surgery, which is breast implants. Um, yep. And you, there is not an insurance company in the world, not in the world, there's not an insurance company in our country that will pay for their right. surgeries under the age of 16, many of them under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. um, 16 for top surgery is not unheard of. And then masculinizing chest surgeries um, are really common. It's really hard to be that boy in the locker room who can be real stealth about getting changed. But if you've got breasts, it's real hard to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, we, you see a lot of young trans boys really, really looking for top surgery. Um, and I'm always really respectful that surgery is permanent. And I understand why the barriers are in place to access it. Um, mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a slow but but sure movement in the way we evaluate these kids and teens and approve procedures for them. Okay. So top surgery always has to have at least one letter from a therapist and at least one letter from a primary care provider for anybody under 18. Okay. We don't do genital surgeries on kids ever. Yeah. I know some surgeons will do genital surgeries on 16 and 17 year olds. Um, but those are only kids that have been on puberty suppressing medication and hormones for what is at that point, probably close to 10 years. Yeah. So it's rare. Um, it's just not a topic of conversation. Really. We don't do genital surgeries on children ever. Yeah. Um, but we start to think about genital surgeries when they're not kids anymore. They're young, mm -hmm. um, but they're not children. So I always try to take that off of people, take that weight off of people. You don't have to decide looking at a young kid. Oh my God, am I going to have to move, talk about surgeries and hormones with you? Because the answer is no, you're seven. Right. Cut your hair and put your clothes on the way you want to wear them. And what do you want me to call you? And let's keep it moving because I have to make dinner. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's like, okay, do the thing. And I got stuff to do. Okay, yeah. I, I love you. And I got my kids. I, I love you. And I'm going to fight for you. And let's make sure that you're safe in school and safe in the bathrooms. And that's my job. I'm your parent. We don't have to mm -hmm. do anything more than that right now. And when we do have to do it, there's a lot of people around that are going to help us. Great. Awesome. Okay, cool. I'm glad that you remembered. <laughs> that was really important and I really wanted to talk about it. Let yes. <laughs> somebody's brain. You know, there's work. one other thing that I wanted to say um, that I mm -hmm. usually say in the beginning that I forget. You can kind of move it around. But one sure. of the things that comes up a lot is um, 
is suicide and the increased risk of suicide in trans youth. Yes. Um, and it's important to give it its place. It is real. We see 40% of adolescents polled um, that identify as trans admitted to in a transnational trans youth survey admitted to having suicidal thinking or attempted suicide as opposed to 4% of the national youth population. So huge, yeah. huge difference. Um, however, what I need people to understand is all you really have to do to get a kid out of that statistic is just listen and be there. You don't have to get them hormones. You don't have to get them blockers. You don't have to be the one responsible for getting their name legally changed. You have to be the one that listens to what they tell you they need and give them the things that you can give them. If you're their teacher and no one else in their world calls them by the name they want to be called except for you, you win. You yeah. saved that kid. You kept that kid from being a statistic because you're the one. So you don't have to move mountains. You just have to do the same thing you probably do for most children in your life, which is listen to them and take on the pieces that you can take on. You don't have to be the one to talk to their parents and convince their parents of something. You just have to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that it, I want to be like, and that's not hard to do, <laughs> but, yeah. but, it, but for some people it really is, but the importance of it is, is so it's, it's like, I mean, you're, you're literally saving someone's you life, saving someone's life. You're saving a child's life. Yep. I mean, not that anybody else's life is not important, no, but like but you're good. a teacher, you're a grown person. Like you are saving a child's life by just being like, I get it. I get you. It's all good. I like I'm. You. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'll yeah. call you that. I'll call you that. I'll name. call you that. I'll, I'll call you whatever. That. We're like, fine. Yeah. You want to eat lunch in here? Sure. Exactly. You want to use, you know, Hey, you want to use the teacher's bathroom? Cause right. like the nurse isn't even getting it. I got you. I got I a just, key. Come on this way. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. And it's like, and you're just saving someone's life. Even if this is new to you mm -hmm. and you're, and I'm going to say this, like you're a little uncomfortable. Yep. It, new things can be uncomfortable, but if you suck up that uncomfortableness, and you are there for a child, you have done it. You are amazing. Yeah. And the more you are there and the more that you're in a situation, the more comfortable you are with things. Right. And then you'll look back and be like, wow, oh, I don't know why I wasn't comfortable with that. <laughs> but it's just so important to be there for all children mm -hmm. and to be, especially, you know, you are a teacher, you are in school, you are a coach, a mentor, a parent, whatever it is, if you're putting yourself in the lives of children, oh, I'm going to go off on a rant. You <laughs> need to be there for all children, not just the ones you deem worthy of your attack. <laughs> so please help all children. This is me saying this judgy, serious, angry, brandy stuff, not Dane. This is me. So minimize me. But I just think it's so important. If you're in the lives of children, you have to support them. Yeah. It, I mean, in and, positive and your point is really your point is a good one in that it, it, it doesn't have to be giant. It really can be very simple. I, I remember one of my one of my patients, um, trans boy, not out. He had been on blockers as a young kid and did never feminized, never went through girl puberty. Um, and then we started him on boy hormones around the age of 14. Um, mm -hmm. And he was playing football. He was on the football team in his high school as a freshman. And he hadn't had chest surgery. Now he didn't develop much of a chest because he was blocked. His puberty was blocked, mm -hmm. but he did have m m enough chest that he was uncomfortable. And he's in the men's, he's in the boys locker room. He's a, he's a football player. 
So yeah. he was wearing a binder. He was wearing a compression top that hid what, you know, he felt was his female chest. So mm-hmm. in a binder, he is, you know, he, in, in summer, he, they were in summer sessions. It was in August. And so he would, he was practicing three times a day in a binder, a t-shirt, his pads and his jersey and his helmet. Mm-hmm. And it was a hundred degrees because it's August in Philadelphia. And yep. he had, none of his coaches knew. He didn't want anybody to know. His name had been mm-hmm. legally changed. No one knew that he was trans. And he really got very, very scared at one point around where he could keep his, he needed an extra binder because he had triple sessions and he was afraid to carry them around with him. Um, right. So he asked one teacher who happened, it wasn't teachers, it was an athletic director. And I'm not sure how they forged their relationship, but he asked her if he could keep his spare binders in a drawer in her office. And without even asking what they were, she, she, I don't, she might've just thought that they were t-shirts. She said, yes. She said, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not, why can't you keep them in your locker or are they smelly? Not, just, just said yes. And it made his life so much easier for those triple sessions for whatever that two week period of time was. And it just really wasn't that deep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't hard for her. No. Um, but he, he recognized it and it made a big difference for him. So don't make it, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. So let's talk about sort of like, what can we do? So what can, what can your run-of-the-mill just person like what can I do what can my (laughs) friends do what can we do um to to help to to you know I don't know like get the word out or support communities or you know besides me getting mad at people on Facebook (laughs) um because that's probably not really helpful but it makes me feel better um (laughs) like (laughs) um (laughs) so what what kind of what can we do advocating activism what can we do? So from a, you know, when the opportunity arises for you to be personally involved, you should take it. You know, if you yeah. are the one and it's, it's time to show up, you should show up. But we've covered yeah. that. So the, the other things that you can do are to support the organizations that to support the services for people to do. So the, a really great one is the NCTE, which is the National Center for Transgender Excellence. Mm-hmm. They are part legal, uh, part service provision. Um, they definitely have a strong Washington, D.C. presence, um, and you can support them. There's also an organization called um, Lambda Legal, which is not specific mm-hmm. to transgender, but does a whole lot um, of work with transgender people. And then there is the NCLR, uh, the National for Center for Lesbian Rights. It's an old organization that actually was founded um, around the AIDS crisis. <laughs> so lesbians, uh-huh, lesbians wow. stepping up um, for non-lesbians. But they have they have <laughs> a, a group of attorneys there that is spectacular in um, working for rights of youth, predominantly in places in the country where there are bans on transgender kids being in locker rooms and you can't use the bathroom of your choice and mm-hmm. you can't use the name of your choice and the school does not have to use the name of your choice um, for you. So contributing you know, money if you have the resources or time, they're always looking for like envelope stuffers and you know, people to show up at, at marches and at different events. Um, you know, find there's always a national transgender day of remembrance that happens and those are small Mm -hmm. 
vigils that happen in different communities around the country, show up with a candle and with your children and just stand in solidarity like you would for any other population that needs somebody to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. So I think those are probably, you know, the simpler things that we can do. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I also, uh, one, so one uh-huh. last, the other thing, and yeah. I always forget about this because I forget how important it is, but be visible as an ally. You would be shocked at like what a rainbow flag or a rainbow sticker on your window does. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. You don't have to put it on your car. You'll never have to put yourself at risk and please don't. Um, and you don't have to be the loudest voice, but I'm telling you, if you are someplace um, and you have a window and you put a rainbow sticker up and there is a trans or a LGB kid that sees that sticker, they will breathe a little easier knowing that if they have to come in and use the bathroom in your coffee shop, that they're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. Yep. That's true. I was just like, I don't know, put one on my window. Yeah. Like, oh, put, wait, nobody's coming in here. Right, well, yeah, okay. but, Not during COVID. <laughs> I don't care who you are. No, that's, that's real. But, <laughs> but, but it's true for businesses mm-hmm. that, that that is huge because the thing is, we all need to pee. Exactly. And <laughs> I never have to think, well, I really don't usually have to think about where I have to pee. Right. You know, it's pretty easy, but there are other people who don't, who it's harder It is because you have to choose a bathroom and you have to choose a space that's hopefully going to embrace you. So yeah, yo, businesses, get some rainbows in your windows. I'm going to be looking Fairmount. (laughs) I'm be walking around and I know you're listening because you're all my friends. I'm going to be looking for the rainbows. Yep. I want to see rainbows. Put them up. (laughs) Put them up. (laughs) Let everyone pee. Let everybody pee. Somebody, I've seen some signs, um, you know, and other, I'm sure everybody has seen this too. There's definitely a movement and like, whether you love or hate Starbucks, I don't care. But Starbucks has been very public about, you know, making sure that their bathrooms are recognized as all gender. Good. Um, so, you know, if you have access and you're the person responsible for your bathrooms in your facility and, and you can do it, then make your bathrooms you they're you one gender put a lock on the door on the inside so that if somebody goes in to use the bathroom they can lock themselves in the bathroom to pee safely and then unlock yeah. the door and leave yeah i mean i would love that for everyone no don't we that all really just pre- want privacy like we really do <laughs> we, just we need really privacy in the bathroom <laughs> it's i don't just can we put a full door right. can we just put a lock in there can we just all honestly poop in peace because peeing no one cares about so yeah there's another thing (laughs) y'all awesome is there anything that we missed is there anything even if it has nothing to do with the questions or things we talked to is there anything you're like but also (laughs) i don't think so i i mean (laughs) we covered yeah we covered a lot and, and i could talk for a really long time um you know there's the only the the one I'll give you sites to put up because um, I think if you if on the off chance one of your listeners actually this is a personal issue for them like they actually mm-hmm. have or know of a trans kid um, I'll give you some resources of places that they can go to find gender affirming care in our region and then also nationally the the, the sites cool. that I'll give you are national um, it's not all that hard to find care in our region we are very lucky whether you yeah. like to admit that or not. Um, but not so true if you're living in um, the middle of Kentucky. No, no, no. It's de- I mean, 
it, it's still difficult, but like we are in the middle of Philly. We are. Which is very different yeah. than the middle of Kentucky or Iowa. Right. And we're in the middle of, of Baltimore and New York. Like we're not even just yeah. our like, but if you drive an hour and a half west of here, you might feel like you're in Kentucky. Yep. So. Yeah. Cool. So I'll put all those links too and okay. the blurb. Um uh that comes with this so anybody who's like i want to check out those links just look in the blurb and they will all be in there um i am so happy that you did this because <laughs> this has been on my mind for a while i also think that you are incredible because you're you have so much information and you made this so fun too <laughs> which you know i like which sounds so strange but I like to take serious subjects, but also like have a good time talking about them. They, serious subjects don't need to be serious or scary. Um, so we all, we do need to like, you know, but we need to, to talk about them and we need to make everyone feel comfortable talking about them. So listen, people out there in the listening world, um, if you have any questions, send them, yeah. post them, post them underneath and maybe we can just keep this discussion going, um, you know, kind questions please but questions this is you know this can be very new for some people and the only way that we can really bring acceptance just like every other you know movement we've had to do whether it was you know people of color whether it was women gay and lesbian which by the way we're all still working on that (laughs) but we had to learn about each other so let's learn about each other let's not stop talking um and Dane, thank you so much for doing this. I'm, I'm like, this is like my favorite thing that I've done on all of these podcasts. <laughs> okay, I'm so thank glad. You. This was, this was everything that I could have dreamed of and more. Good. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, guys, we're gonna let Dane get back to his life because you know I've kept him long enough. And everyone else, stay healthy. Um, love each other, embrace each other, and learn about things, even if they make you a little uncomfortable, because then they won't make you uncomfortable. So, all right, guys, I will see you soon. Later. Thanks for hanging with me here. Again, I'm Brandy Davis, your parenting partner, and you can find me on Instagram at parentcoachbrandy. You can find me on Facebook at Brandy Davis C-A-F-C and on Twitter at C-A-F-C Brandy. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your questions. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your comments. And I'll chat with you again soon. I can't wait.